Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 9, The Secrets of Building Successful Niches. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me is Scott Harper, my business partner and husband. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. How are you today? I am great. That's terrific. It's great to be here. And in case this is your first time listening, we want to let you know that the purpose of Growth Igniters Radio is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to the next level of success. So Pam, what's on deck for today? Well, as you know, Scott, one of the big challenges for companies of any size is finding fuel for innovation and growth. That's true. And it takes a special kind of insight, imagination, and drive to identify new niches and overcome the obstacles and you know, make it happen. Right. And that's why we're fortunate to be speaking today with Linda Hollander, who is affectionately known as the wealthy bag lady and CEO of Sponsor Concierge. Linda's talents at recognizing unmet needs and building businesses to fill them has brought her tremendous success. Her first success was as one of the only women-owned businesses that printed shopping bags for major corporations. She went on to gain additional success as the producer of the Women's Small Business Expo, and then tapped into the related niche of helping entrepreneurs and nonprofit organizations find corporate sponsors. She's author of the book From Bags to Riches and Corporate Sponsorship in Three Easy Steps. She's been featured by major television networks and media such as Entrepreneur Magazine and Inc. Magazine, who cited her as the industry leader in corporate sponsorship and business success. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. That is a lot. Linda, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. (laughs) Great to be here. Wow. I'm still recovering from that intro. You've done a lot. (laughs) But uh, I have to start out with your alias. How did you become the wealthy bag lady? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we got to know about the wealthy bag lady. We do. Uh, well, actually, I started a business with my best friend in the world, and her name is Cheryl Felice. Uh, and by the way, she and I met when we were in uh, <laughs> in junior high school, and you know, we just formed this incredible bond. We were, you know, closer than sisters, and we uh-huh. always knew that one day, if we did something together, it would be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so uh, the point came where uh, I was basically an art student, and I had never, ever taken a business class in my life because I thought business was boring. Oh. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, all of my studies in college were art, and I graduated, you know, with an honor roll, magna cum laude, uh, with a painting, sculpture, and graphic arts degree. But then I got out into the real world, and I tried uh, mm-hmm. to sell paintings and, you know, make my living. And I realized that I really didn't want to be a starving artist. I wanted to do things. I wanted to, you know, travel. I wanted to buy my own home. I, you know, I had, I had things that I really wanted to do in my life, and, and I wanted my life to make a difference. <laughs> So, you know, uh, I basically started uh, with my best friend. We started a business uh, making shopping bags 
four major businesses. And the reason that we started that was because I collected these shopping bags with the beautiful graphics because I was interested in art and design. And at that time, I was living in like a little rent-controlled apartment. Uh, I was working in a dead-end job. Um, I, I just could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And in my personal life, I was in an abusive relationship with a man. Mm. And it was because my self-confidence was so low that I thought that was what I deserved. Uh, when I would go to the mailbox every day, it was a constant reminder of my financial failures because there were bills in that mailbox I could never, ever afford to pay because I did not have a show like Growth Igniter's radio at the time uh -huh. to tell me that what I was doing was yeah. stupid because when I was unemployed, I took uh, advances on my cards and I you know, wasn't making enough at my job, so I maxed out my credit cards. So basically, one day I had an epiphany, and I said, I don't want to live like a victim anymore, so I fired my boss. I dumped the abusive boyfriend, and uh, we started uh, the business that produced shopping bags because um, I got the idea when my mom came over to my apartment, and, you know, I, I hid all the shopping bags <laughs> in a closet, uh -huh. and I was tidying up, and literally it hit me on the head because the, the, they just started coming down, and I said, <laughs> wait a minute, somebody's got to produce these things. So we researched it for a year, uh, and then we moved into a facility that had uh, printing machinery, uh, we had a showroom and we had office space, uh, and we did shopping bags for uh, major companies like Sears, Nissan, Ocean Spray, Mattel, and mm. Disney, uh, and we grew it into a multi-million dollar business, and this was two women who really didn't know anything about business, and I had no formal training, and neither did my business partner, so we kind of learned it from, right. from the streets. Well, what I was going to say, though, is something that you said earlier about it literally hit you on the head. Uh, I think that's pretty important because a lot of times what happens is that there are things all around us that could literally hit us on the head. And you were able to notice it. Absolutely. I was able to notice it. And, you know, I just always loved uh, beautiful bags, uh, art, design, um, you know, and then, of course, you know, I learned about the business behind it and found, you know, we researched it and found that it was a, a viable uh, business. So that's how I got the brand name of Wealthy Bag Lady because okay. uh, we did not make purses, but we made the custom printed shopping bags that you see in shopping malls and at trade shows. So one of the things that strikes me about the story is you said that you had bags, so obviously somebody was making them already. There had to have been some niche, some need you were meeting that allowed you to move in where other people already were and get all those big clients. Yes, yes. Okay. And you know what? How we did our research was surprisingly, I called some, some bag companies and they were surprisingly open uh, about talking to me, even though I was a possible uh, competitor because I figured, well, you know, because there wasn't that much available as far as research in the, the packaging industry. But I just kind of called some of these bag companies and I said, you know, tell me, you know, what it's like to run this business. Uh, you know, what would you recommend? And they were surprisingly open. So sometimes, you know, your competitors uh, could be your allies and could be great sources of information uh, for you. That is a great tip. And as they say in baseball, you hit them where they ain't. So you went on then. Of course, you became the wealthy bag lady, but you saw yet some other needs. You had a vision, it sounded like. I did have a vision because uh, I, I didn't finish my story because uh, I told you that I dumped uh, the abusive boyfriend. 
Uh, but three weeks later, I met my husband, and my husband is one of the kindest, most gentle people in the world. Uh, when we met, he had a 20-year-old cat, and I'm one of the original crazy cat ladies. So, <laughs> you know, he's just an amazing person. So I like to tell that story because my life has also been about women's empowerment uh, because... And I want all of the men listening to stay on the line with us because we're going to be talking a little bit about women's empowerment. But what I'm going to tell you is totally universal that could apply to any business. Um, so uh, women came to our company because we were one of the only female-owned uh, packaging businesses that produced shopping bags. And they would say, you know, Linda, how do I do sales? How do I do marketing? They wouldn't just order bags from us. I knew anniversaries. I knew when the kids were graduating. I really enjoyed doing consulting with women business owners. So I decided that I wanted to start an event uh, that would empower women financially to start and succeed in their own business and, uh, you know, really change their lives in the way that my life was changed. Because in starting my business, you know, like I said, when I came back to it, what I really enjoyed was doing consulting with other women business owners. So I wanted to start a Women's Small Business Expo. And uh, I actually did it with the help of corporate sponsors. Mm -hmm. And through the Women's Small Business Expo, man, oh, man, we did it for 10 years. We had women from Australia come over. We went Amazing. international. We had the late, great Jim Rohn as one of our speakers. Mm -hmm. uh, we bas Basically, women came and they met the partner that they needed, the business partners they needed. They got that one piece of information that they needed to propel their business forward. Uh, and I'm just very proud of all of the work that we did uh, at Women's Small Business Expo. Amazing story. So from one niche, you discovered another. And that's from one niche that. to another. Uh, from one niche, you know, now that's a great place for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will speak more with Linda Hollander about overcoming some of the challenges that it takes to make that vision come true. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful companies to accelerate to the next level of innovation and growth. If you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 9, and use the share links for iTunes, Stitcher, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page. Tell your social media communities all about us. Use hashtag GrowthIgniters. And do us a favor, rate and review this show on iTunes to extend our reach to all of the people who can benefit from these shows. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're talking with Linda Hollander, the wealthy bag lady and CEO of Sponsor Concierge, about how she found success as an entrepreneur and the lessons she's learned about how to continue to adapt and grow a successful business. Linda, how can people find you? Oh, okay. Well, I have two websites. One of them is WealthyBagLady.com, and another website of mine is SponsorConcierge.com. Okay. And, uh, of course, your books are out there as well. Absolutely. We didn't even talk about the books. Uh, my first book the, is called Bags to Riches, 
And that's kind of when I got the idea also for the Women's Small Business Expo because I did a book tour uh, for Bags to Riches, and women kept asking me the same questions, and I saw that there was so much information that women needed as far as entrepreneurship goes. And then my uh, most recent book is called Corporate Sponsorship in Three Easy Steps, and both are available on Amazon. Ah, okay. Well, so that really leads us to uh, talk a little more about how you overcome some of these challenges when you're finding a new niche, building it. And one of the things that you are very open about is that it's not the easiest thing to go out there and do this. I mean, you, you've been able to do it and do it very well, but especially during the um, building of the Small Women's Business Expo. Do I have that right? Do I say, am I saying uh, the it right? The Women's Small Business Expo. <laughs> Women's Small Business Expo. Can you tell us a bit about what those challenges were? Oh, yes. I had, to whole, I had to learn a whole new business and industry, which is the event planning industry. And the event planning industry is not for the faint of heart because, uh, you know, it's cash intensive, uh, you know, and that's why I, I use corporate sponsors. Um, it is, uh, you know, and you just kind of need to, uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, to every event. Uh, basically, uh, it always seems like people are not going to sign up, and then they always sign up at the last minute. Oh, but yes. you have to reserve rooms ahead of time. You have to reserve space. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're all, one of the biggest fears is, hey, what if I throw this great party and nobody shows up? Oh, so my yes. first event was in April, and uh, it, it, <laughs> on New Year's Eve, I started getting really panicky uh, <laughs> because, you know, it, was, it seemed like it was so close. And, you know, I learned what a room block is, you know, and at one of my first mm-hmm. events, I got so ambitious because, you know, we're all taught to think big and, you know, think positive. And so I thought there'd be so many people there, and I reserved this big block of rooms uh, at a hotel. And, of course, the attendance was not what I expected, um, so um, I had to kind of talk the hotel out of suing me uh, oh, because I reserved, like, so many rooms, uh, and they were not filled, and, you know, we kind of came to an agreement on that. Um, but you know what? You've really got to know what you're doing uh, with event planning, and I had to learn just a whole new uh, business model um, of getting people to events. And okay. uh, Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> and then, a of lot. course, here's what I found in uh, planning events, and events Uh, Whatever the size of your business, events are a great way to do business development and get new clients because when doing an event, people, if you're speaking at the event, people kind of get what I call the Baskin-Robbins pink taster spoon of you, and they can see if they want to work with you in a very unthreatening way. So it's Mm -hmm. been a great way for me to to build clients and, and develop my business doing events, and I still do it to this day. But... I believe that 70% of the success of your event is in marketing, not really in what happens at the event, not really in what happens on site or who the speakers are or the agenda, Uh, because if you do not get the word out effectively about your event, you know, everything else is for naught if nobody really shows up or nobody really knows about it. That's a point well taken. Now, how did you exactly figure out all that you've learned about sponsorship? Because that was something that really came as the result of the event, right? Mm-hmm. That was something that you figured out how to do. Uh, how did you figure out how to do it if you'd never done it before? <laughs> uh, I read voraciously uh, any piece of information that I could find in books uh, on the Internet uh, about how to get sponsors, 
Uh, I looked at similar events, and I saw who their sponsors were, and those were the sponsors that I contacted. So I looked at other women's business conferences and saw uh, the sponsors that were involved with those, and I figured, well, if they're sponsoring this, then they could sponsor what I'm doing. So if you're looking for sponsors for whatever you do, look at somebody else who's doing something similar, and those companies may want to sponsor you. And people ask me all the time, they say, well, Linda, isn't their budget tapped out? Absolutely not. You know, and you don't have to really educate them if they're already sponsoring something similar to what you are doing, uh, that they're because you know, they know that they're in the right place. Uh, so basically what I did was I sold my first sponsors kind of on the concept. I developed a beautiful website. Uh, I paid somebody to do a, a beautiful proposal for me. And the sponsors for my very first Women's Small Business Expo were Bank of America, Walmart, and IBM. And let me tell you, boy, it's a game changer because not only uh, do they help you uh, underwrite the cost, but it just you know, up-levels your event and gives it a whole lot more credibility if you have those kinds of top-tier sponsors from leading-edge companies. So uh, taking this a, a little broader, just looking at the principles, sounds like what you did was you identified the need, you identified what about that need was not being met, you modeled on competitors and complementary businesses, and then you got partners to help you extend that vision and really bring it to life and actualize it. So that could be done not just for events and sponsorships and so on, but virtually any uh, business opportunity. You have to find the niche and then find out about it and go after it. Absolutely. And also get partners to help you promote it because, you know, you know, uh, marketing and promotion is just so important. So, so get partners to help you promote. And if you doubt uh, the, the veracity of that strategy, that's what Amazon did when it first got started. They got mm-hmm. any partners they could get to help them promote uh, Amazon. And now that's kind of the monster of the Internet. People call it the everything store. Uh, and that, that was their strategy. Yeah, partnering is huge, and we definitely believe very strongly in it. But, you know, what's interesting about your story is, of course, it didn't just end with the uh, event. You went on to form yet another business, the Sponsor Concierge. <laughs> yes. Now, how did you I do that? I wanted those crazy serial <laughs> entrepreneurs. Um, basically, uh, everybody kept asking me, like, how are you getting these sponsors? Because I, you know, was just working, you know, from my kitchen table with the, with the cat. And they said, well, you know, I thought you had to be a huge business to do this. How, how can I do this? And you've done this just starting out. You've gotten great sponsors. How do I get it if I don't have experience, if I don't have an audience yet, uh, you know, if I'm not a huge company? So that's when I started really, you know, listening to what people were asking me. And I created another company around that, which is Sponsor Concierge, where I've been helping people uh, get sponsors for their own businesses, for their events. Uh, if they have magazines, because now we're not just running businesses anymore. You know, we're running little media companies because mm-hmm. a lot of people have you know, radio shows, magazines, uh, blogs, podcasting, email marketing. You know, you, you do all that for your company. Um, so that's, that is sponsor-worthy. Uh, I help nonprofits also get sponsors, which is extremely, uh, a, you know, rewarding uh, and fulfilling. Uh, so that's what I do now. So, again, the first big thing, though, to opening that door was just like with having the bags, bags fall on your head. It was being <laughs> alert enough to identify, hey, wait, there's an opportunity here that's not yeah. being met. 
that and do the research and look around and see who else is doing things that you can learn from. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Linda Hollander, the wealthy bag lady, about how to identify and build on new opportunities that can take you and your company to even greater heights of success. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. If you subscribe to the Growth Igniters community by clicking the Join Our Community button on growthignitersradio.com in the upper right corner, we'll be able to send you weekly updates so you'll have easy access to each new episode's show notes, guest bio, links to resources mentioned in the episode, and even more. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, we've been talking with Linda Hollander, CEO of Sponsor Concierge, the wealthy bag lady, about her amazing story and what it takes to find and build successful niches. And now we're going to talk about how to make it happen for you. Uh, But before we do, Linda, can you tell us again how people can find you and your books? Absolutely. Uh, the two websites I have are WealthyBagLady.com and SponsorConcierge.com. I also have a toll-free number, 866-966-3624. Okay. Well, lots of ways to reach you. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. It's one thing to find these new niche opportunities that you get hit on the head with them. And it's quite another to create these valuable new business offerings that really can can lead you to huge success. Let's talk about some specific ways that listeners could actually start to identify new niches for themselves. Okay. Uh, one thing is just kind of pay attention to what people are asking you, what people need out there uh, in the world, what kind of information, what kind of products, what kind of services uh, that they need. You know, like, uh, you know, on Shark Tank, you see uh, that moms, you know, create all these great things for other moms uh, because uh, they found that, hey, what I'm using isn't working, so I'm going to create something else that works. You know, I think one of them was something like for the airport, a, a little uh, play mat that you put down for kids so I they're not falling that. on that yeah. dirty carpet in the airport. You know, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, things like that. Can, you know, just kind of look around for what you can do better because you don't really have to reinvent the wheel, and that's maybe a case of something that's not like, you know, a revolutionary invention, you know, a little mat that you put down. Uh, but it is functional, and it fills a need uh, that people have. So look for, look for that. And, you know, like, and, you know, I've given some examples. Because, you know, first, you know, I, I had the love of art and I wanted to figure out how I can use my love of art and design and create a business around it. So also pay attention to what your passions are. And, you know, people get a little bit nervous sometimes with the discovery process because they think, well, I'm an adult. I should kind of know what I want to do with the rest of my life. But, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> most people that I've met have reinvented themselves quite a few times as I have and as you have also. Yes. Uh, because, you know, I know your story. So there's been That's a lot right. of reinvention. You know, life is just too short to just be in one business, one career path. You know, unless that's what you want and what you truly love, don't be afraid to go out and explore new things. But I also think you need what's called proof of concept uh, mm-hmm. because, 
you know, just because you love something doesn't mean the whole world will love it. And I don't believe uh, in do what you love and the money will follow because there has to be a market for what you love. There has to be other people that will pay <laughs> for Absolutely. what you love to do. So you also need proof of concept. Uh, and uh, also, I want to tell you to hire coaches, hire consultants. Uh, uh, what I didn't uh, reveal yet is that I had two failed businesses before I started the bag business. You know, that's what being a serial entrepreneur is uh-huh. about. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it's not fun when it doesn't. It's not fun when you fail, because sometimes you fail publicly, and it's, you know, and there's ego involved. Uh, but those two failed businesses, luckily, you know, I didn't invest a whole lot in those businesses. Uh, I didn't establish proof of concept. Uh, one was a greeting card business. I thought I invented the next great uh, Peanuts uh, line of characters, mm-hmm. and that I would create the, these greeting cards, and that did not work. Another one was a giftware business, uh, and those two did not work. So you know, uh, but you just kind of have to move on from your failures and so go it's... on to what is what can be successful for you, and learn from those failures. Because man, oh man. Everybody says this, but it's so true. You learn more from the failures than you do the successes. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting, though, is that you're talking about this, and I know that we're coming at it from an entrepreneurial focus in one way. But what you're talking about for our clients that are frequently in the middle market, a little bit larger. Or even bigger. uh, Or even bigger, I should say. uh, Those same principles apply. I mean, Scott, you came out of a huge corporation. I came out of a huge corporation, and we did the same things. We looked for unmet needs. And you can't ask people what they want because they'll tell you, you know, give me a different flavor or color or size or whatever. You look for unmet, unsolved problems that people are working around or suffering with. You also look for things that are praising and what can I take from that that I can extend. And as you say, Linda, you play to your strengths. What, What is it about this that... I can meet with whatever is the strength of my business or or me personally. And can't emphasize that proof of concept enough. And if you don't do it right, you can fool yourself. Look at New Coke. (laughs) So really, regardless of the size of the company, but everything you're saying is so on target, Linda. And I want to say one thing, because everybody asked me, like, what was the difference between the failed businesses and the businesses that succeeded for you? And the, the difference was mentorship. Man, oh, man. When I first started those those businesses, you know, I was young. I was in college. I wanted to do it on my own. I didn't really ask people for help. Uh, So after that, I asked anybody for help. Uh, I was humble. I said, hey, look, I don't know it all. I don't know about this. I need help. And, you know, I was willing to hire people uh, that were stronger than me in areas that I was weak. So uh, I really want to really stress, you know, hire coaches, consultants, mentors, and that makes all the difference. Okay. That, that makes sense. And that also helps you learn how to look at things in new ways, I assume. It really does. It really does, you know, because you're in your own little bubble and, you know, to get other points of view. And sometimes, you know, they say things that you don't even like or they make you do things you don't even like, <laughs> <laughs> but you end up better uh, for that. Okay, so what we have is a lot of things that you can immediately do, and I'm sure there is more. Uh, Linda, any last thoughts before we go? Time's really flying by here. Oh, my God. Well, um, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're in, in a company, run it with uh, an entrepreneurial mindset. If you're, you know, working at your job, kind of take, take entrepreneurship uh, of that job and really do the best you can. If you are running a business, be willing to take risks. 
be willing to go in different directions uh, because um, the, the world is changing so much. I mean, I mean, we all know that we cannot operate by the same principles that we operated by five years ago, ten years ago. Um, you know, so really be willing to kind of put your finger to the wind and take the pulse of uh, your clients, your future clients, what they're looking for. Don't be afraid to really go off in a different direction if you see that that is where the trajectory of your future success lies. Uh, And just absolutely live your life. You know, when I was working in that dead-end job, when I was worried about my clunker car and if it would make it to the next month, um, I couldn't imagine that I would wake up every day excited for what I was going to do, excited for who I was going to talk to, excited for who I was going to help. And we're all in different businesses, but we are all in the life-changing business. So go out and change as many lives as you can through the work that you do. Thanks so much again, Linda, for being with us today. And uh, we hope you'll come back and share some more of your insights because these are these are things that apply no matter what size business you're running. And uh, that that entrepreneurial mindset is so, so I'm looking important. for those new niches. So if you have questions related to today's episode or any episode, go to open a conversation with us at the bottom of the episode page. And to find out who our guest will be next Wednesday, go to growthignitersradio.com and look in the sidebar for a schedule of upcoming episodes over the next few weeks. Thanks for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, and subscribe to the podcast series on iTunes or Stitcher, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 9. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your network. What's one thing that you can do today to look for an untapped niche for your company? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.